1: Giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T Mobile.com/slash now.
0: Pushkin. Just a quick note here. You can listen to all of the music mentioned in this episode on our playlist, which you can find a link to in the show notes. For licensing reasons, each time a song is referenced in this episode, you'll hear this sound effect. All right. Enjoy the episode.
1: In the 1970s and 80s, there was a revolution in Nashville that was every bit as important to country music as the Beatles were to rock and roll. A new generation of songwriters came along who didn't just want to write about cowboys and pickup trucks. They wanted to write about emotion and conflict and to bear their souls.
2: My name is Bobby Braddock, and I'm,
3: I'm bald, and I write songs, and I'm borderline mentally ill. I'm Don Henry, and I've been very spoiled being able to enjoy what I love doing for the longest time, and I, I still continue to do it to this day. I'm Don Schlitz, and
4: I've With no particular talent at all, I was 20 years old and uh, $80 and got off a bus and I was in Nashville.
1: My name is Malcolm Gladwell. You're listening to Broken Record. For this episode, I went to Nashville and sat down with three of the leaders of that revolution. Don Schlitz, who has written some of the greatest country music songs ever. Don Henry, the junior member of the revolution. And the great Bobby Braddock, elder statesman. Those of you who listen to my other podcast, Revisionist History, know that I can't set foot in Nashville without checking in with Bobby Braddock. It would be like going to Iceland and not saying hi to Bjork. We all met at Stony Tree Studios on Music Row. We talked for hours and could have talked for a lot longer. In fact, we could devote an entire season of Broken Record just to those crucial Nashville years. So consider this a start. Chapter One in the Oral History of the New Nashville. I made sure there was a piano for Bobby, and the two Dons brought their guitars. I told them all they had to sing for their supper. Don Schlitz kicked things off.
4: And it only took two years to get it cut. Why? Because it was I, it was too long, it's too linear melodically, there's no a romantic situation, uh, I, there, it's, it's, um, it took too long to go to the course. Uh, I don't know. I liked it. A lot of people liked it and it finally, nobody would cut it. And my publisher put out the demo and sent it to radio and they started playing and a couple, uh, a friend of mine and named Hugh Moffitt cut it and put it out. And Conway Twitty's son put it out, Charlie Tango. And suddenly there were three cuts of it on the, on the charts and then it was gone and I was still working as a computer operator oh, which you is still, good
1: you were still in oh yeah
4: yeah sure oh yeah
2: you know yeah. you know. Yeah, writers, got, uh, writers uh, gotta uh, eat nothing, 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 <laughs> but what I think is great about that song it's full of life lessons like I don't play poker but I don't back either. then I, I, I played a lot of poker and I would always think about the lines in that song okay no wonderful you know and I used that and and that's like a metaphor for the real life lessons that matter more than poker, and it's it's full of those. And you can just you could write that down and carry it with you, and get it out and look at it when you're in a, in a tight situation. You know. Does
1: that does that song change? Does the success of that song change what people consider to be acceptable in a country song?
4: I think it did. Uh, I, I no, and with all humility, I, I, what it changed for me for eventually. Kenny Rogers cuts it. And with that great voice, they make it up tempo. They move the chorus up. And that made it so I could write whatever I wanted to write the rest of my life. And I, one thing I did not want to write was that song over and over again. So I got to write different songs. I got to emulate my pals who were also my heroes. Though you know, you wouldn't tell them that. Uh, And you, this, you, you write what you want to write. And, and, you learn that you can, uh, amazingly enough, you have good taste. There's a, an interesting thing that happened with with uh, Braddock and Harlan and uh, Manny, Bob McDill, in this town, uh, that you can see a difference between Nashville songs uh, or songs that were written on Music Row uh, that stopped being corny Stop being that you'd sit on a hay bale and sing, or on a bar stool and have to sing, but you could sit by yourself quietly in a room and go like, "That song about me. That song is about real issues that I have. It is not." Uh, and and we, while we have heroes uh, from that era like Randy Newman, no, uh, Bob know. McDill, Bob McDill, sorry, Bob Dylan, <laughs> um, and. You know, uh, Gordon Lightfoot, those uh, great writers. Uh, Joni Mitchell, uh, Joni Mitchell uh, yeah. I know you, you were- Paul Simon. Paul, well, Paul Simon, right. yeah. Uh, Paul McCartney and John Lennon yeah. and Keith Richards okay. and, and Mick Jagger, who were writing songs that we love. There's an awful lot of, and, and Holland does your Holland. Do not leave out, and Otis Redding, uh, uh Motown and, and Stax, uh, that feeling, 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 feeling. And we're writing- Um, a story. Mm. Uh, I think Christofferson had an awful lot to do in popularizing that. I think Braddock had a lot to do in popularizing that. There is a sequence of events that happens, and as opposed to telling you, I feel this way, I feel this way, we're saying, this is what happened,
2: period. And I think feelings go beyond words. That's why some of my... Me, it's hard to differentiate between uh, maybe, if I say my favorite song, it might be one of my favorite records. Like, I put Go Rest How on That Mountain on my list because just what happened in that studio, when Ricky Skaggs and Patty Loveless were singing with Vince on that thing. I still get tears in my eyes and chill bumps when I hear that thing. And, you know, it's a great story, but they could be singing it in, in Greek, you yeah. know, and, and, and I'd
3: still love it. Well, you know, uh, we also had the advantage, at least Don and I did, of, of tuning into country radio and having people like like Christofferson or Tom T. Hall who were writing stories, and a lot of times you, you had to sit in that chair and listen all the way to the end to get the payoff. So you had people that, unlike today, where you want the payoff in 10 seconds, uh, people were willing to listen a little longer for something. There's, there's, there's a collective
2: ADHD now mm-hmm. where people don't want to, I mean, A&R people, they'll, they'll, if, if it takes too long, like, my song He stopped Loving her today, which I wrote with Curly Putman, nobody would possibly cut that now because it takes too long to get to the payoff. They even they're even wanting now the second verse to be just a little tiny verse, you know.
4: Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. the second verse for us was you know, we were told if we had a great first verse, that might be your second verse. Yeah. Yes. It has mm-hmm. to be
3: because you want something to build up to.
1: Give me what's what's a what's a great example, another great example of a uh, a song
2: with a delayed payoff. Well, Can, that that was one for sure. Well,
1: is Long is Long is Long Dark Vale?
3: Well, you you find out pretty quick that it's his best friend's. He was in the arms of his best friend's wife. Kind of what, yeah. by the second, and reverse. she, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know he can't. He's got a decision to make, and well, and, and you know that if she Wait, walks, do
1: you, guys, do you guys know that song well enough to play it? Yeah,
2: uh,
3: Don probably. I don't Can you? The most powerful part of that, I think, is
2: when you say, she walks these hills oh, in her lone black veil. Geez. Danny Dill and, and Mary John Wilkins. John Wilkin. yeah. Danny Dell, I think, was primarily the lyricist on that. I heard they... Now, is this true or not? They wrote it on the way of the session. Is that true? I don't know if that's true or not, but... but uh, I had a song called Golden Ring that uh-huh. we, we were talking about whether we should sue Conway Twitty when he had I Love to Lay You Down, and I said... And I told my publisher, I said, but if they do that, then Danny Dell and Mary John Wilkin may sue me for stealing the melody from Long Black Veil. And I told that story to Mary John Wilkins. She said, we came pretty damn close to doing wow. it. Oh, really? really? <laughs> wow. My goodness. That's wait, strange. Wait.
1: Well, well, you know, I like, well, I like this theme that we're on well, of these kind of story that, that are, because a lot of you guys are, seem to be, have worked in that.
3: Well, I, I was a, a huge, and still am a huge Randy Newman fan. And the thing that struck me about Bobby before I even really got to know him was that he was basically the country music version of that. And and I think the thing that really woke me up to that was, uh, unfortunately, when I heard He Stopped Loving Her Today, I knew the title of it before I heard the song. I wish I'd heard it without knowing what the name of the song was, because the first line is, he said, I'll love you till I die. And I just started laughing so hard. I took the record off and went, because the title is, He Stopped Loving Her Today. And the first line is, he said, I'll love you till I die. And I went, oh, he's dead. This guy's dead, man. You got it instantly. Instantly. And I I just started, and and I I think what I loved about Bobby and what I loved about the Lubin brothers and Tom T. Hong and so much stuff is that uh, thread of irony that you wouldn't call it, laugh out loud humor but it's it's just so ironic and to me that's what randy newman taps into constantly and so when i heard that song and you know every verse of he Stop loving her today ends with a joke i mean you know uh you know we all went to see her when I, uh, she we all wondered if she would it kept running through my mind this time he's over her for good. And then the th- thing about the smile, um, first time we'd seen him smile in years. Well, that's a joke. It those is. Are, it is. Those it's are a, jokes. It's, it's a funeral and joke, almost yeah. every one of them ends with that. But by the time you get that joke, it doesn't make you laugh. It makes you just get this biggest lump in your throat and you realize what a comedy tragedy life is. See, and, I always love the
2: juxtaposition between something that, that me was, too. and. and, and I have written songs that I thought were funny songs, and people took them very seriously, and vice versa. Absolutely, that's happened to
3: me over and over. You know? I love writing a song that it's it it, it it's really very serious, but it's kind of taboo subject matter. Yeah. So people laugh nervously over that, exactly. and that's what happened to me when I heard he stopped loving her today. And I use it today to this day. I, I get to tour and teach and on some of these shows that I do, and. I, I put that song up right away because I, I show people what you can do in such a short amount of time, how you can tell a huge story, and it uses all the little technical things about, uh, about that little running joke, uh, even the production of it, which is brilliant, Billy Sherrill. Uh, I, I think to me, I hold it up there with a song like we talked about earlier, like Sail Away, yeah. which you can almost use and show students or anybody who's interested how you can unfold a story.
1: We'll be back with more of my conversation with Bobby Braddock, Don Schlitz, and Don Henry. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases. And on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
5: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? SnagAjob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. SnagAjob.com, where America goes to hire.
0: Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash Nest.
1: We're back with Bobby and the Two Dawns. Don Henry, a self-described hippie from California, wrote a hit record for Miranda Lambert with songwriter Philip Coleman, who's from West Tennessee. The song, All Kinds of Kinds, is an ode to diversity. I asked Don to play it for us.
3: You know, we knew when we wrote that we we had to kind of, uh, as as oddballs go, we were odder than the people we were picking on at the front. So we had to put ourselves in there at (laughs) the end to show you that it's it's uh, that you know Mm -hmm. that we were there too. Otherwise, it's just a you getting on a soapbox and you're pointing fingers, and you really got to pay attention at pointing the finger at yourself. Uh, to make that kind of stuff work, at least from my experience, and and that that's how it finally came together at the end for us. I love what she did. She she twisted it around a little bit. One of the things she said on that tag was. Uh, so, and send some point of finger. She says at some point the finger. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the way she says it. Which I think is great because she kind of owns that song. It sounds like she wrote it, and I like that. She's she's impish. Perfect yeah. song for her. It's yeah. perfect. It sounds. Yeah. And that's what she told Frank Liddell, who produced that record. She said, uh, "It just sounds like something I would write," and that made me feel good because yeah. she's a really good writer. She I is. Yeah. Yeah. Did,
1: were you thinking about her when you? No. wrote
3: it? No. 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 We were. In fact, when we wrote that, it was it was probably. Probably 10 years before she moved to town. She was probably 15 years old. Do you guys,
4: do you, when, you're, when you're writing songs, and I know uh, if you're not writing with the artist, but you're writing a song, do you have in your head anybody singing it other than yourself?
3: No. I don't. I mean, I just, no. I just want to sing it at the Bluebird or uh, wherever if I'm singing. If I'm trying to emulate one of my heroes, like a Joni or something, I'll say, okay, what would Joni do? And I'll try to bring that out, but it's not like I'm writing to pitch that Wait, song. You have Joni
1: Mitchell in your head? I love Joni Mitchell.
3: When I'm looking to write a song and I can't really get into the groove, I'll get up early in the morning, get things going, and put on Joni Mitchell. Wow. Randy Newman, Paul Simon. Sometimes people like Van Morrison. I really like, because mm-hmm. I just like the way he writes words that great. Just music feel can good. Pump, pump you up and make it 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 pumps feel like you feel great. you up. Dirt, yeah. Dirt. If,
1: if you could only listen to one Joni Mitchell song in the morning to get you going, what would it be?
3: Well, for writing and for working on that, it's it's a tough one. But but for me, it's it was on my list, and it's both sides now. It's clouds, yeah. because I remember distinctly as a youngster hearing that song and going oh, see what she did there? You know, that kind of a thing. And that's that same anchor of a chorus that has a little bit of a twist each time it comes back around. And I I think, well, that keeps the listener from being bored, doesn't it? And yet it's it's just filled with life lessons written by such a young person at the time. And I think by hearing something like that at an early age, it helped make me wiser quicker. Uh, You know, as much as I loved Bubblegum Pop, to hear Mm -hmm. Joni Mitchell sing that, it was like, oh, this is what you can do with it's something. It's pretty cool chord changes. In it it's too. pretty amazing, yeah. But the
4: one man band by the quick lunch stand, is oh. playing for free. real good for free. For free. For free yeah. I mean, what a great country song that is. He could, yeah, already. You know, I it almost to
1: wanted. Can you guys do a little bit of that song all together? Is that possible?
3: Um. <laughs> It was good. I don't know I enough of it. i clouds from both sides now, from up and down, and then give or take, and li- win or lose. It's still somehow, uh, it's a cloud, Clouds illusions. I recall. I really don't know clouds at all. I really. And it's funny
4: because she originally did it in that key. In that key. Yeah, so yeah like I got, nobody knows I know. that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, I, what I, lo- I like about that thing is, is uh, it, it's kind of. It's it's very textbooky and it's very technical, but when it's when it's going down, it's seamless and it doesn't feel that way.
1: When you were talking about how to hear that from someone so young, it's a totally better song. Yeah. Written sung by someone who's obviously really young. Right? Because it's no longer the it's not the cliche of the older person yeah. looking back. It's this That's right, yeah. Weird, fascinating thing of the super young person saying you're not going to believe this. Amazement. You know. But I have looked at life <laughs> yeah. from both sides now, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. That's Dylan it's did sing- that
3: constantly, you know, looking at his. I mean, the first time I heard the girl from the North Country, my dad used to sing that one all the time to me. And I didn't even know who Bob Dylan was when he, my dad would sing it. And then uh, he had that Free Willing album. And uh, I remember thinking that this was f- completely different than anything I'd heard because uh, this guy was really young writing about such wise stuff. It was really cool.
1: We'll be back with more Broken Record after this.
0: As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms apply.
5: Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring, with access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? SnagAjob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text Snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. SnagAjob.com, where America goes to hire.
0: Willie Nelson,
5: Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson.
0: How did the biggest names in outlaw countries start a musical revolution? one place the boar's nest sue brewer and the birth of outlaw country music listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest
1: i'm back with bobby braddock don henry and don schlitz don back to you can you give us now i'm interested in uh a song that really not one of your own a song that really kind of changed the way transformed the way you thought about songwriting that opened a door for you
4: fairly easy to uh to explain my uh first company i went to in nashville when i was 20 was pete drake music because pete drake had played on john wesley harding and there was a young man named uh, buzz raven was uh listening to songs there and uh But I played, you know, I I walked in, I had hair down halfway down my back, and I was 20 years old and didn't look like a person that would be in, in, uh, uh, wanting to be a country singer. And so I went up and played a few songs for him at the publishing company. And he said, well, I don't really know um, what we're doing here yet, what I'm doing here yet, but let me make a phone call for you. He gave me a number, a person to go see. He says, you'll go see him in a couple of days. He'll be expecting you. So I go over to this company, this building, walking. I didn't have a car. Uh, oh, right. And this hot uh, day in, I think it's April, you know, heavy guitar case, and I walk in. Back then, you could walk in, and I said, I'm supposed to see somebody, my name is, and uh, somebody yells back, uh, oh, I know what this is about. And he comes out, and this guy with uh, curly hair and wire-rimmed glasses comes out and says, come on back and play some songs. So I, Went back and I pulled my guitar out and I played a couple songs and he says, "Well, play me another." And I'm pretty sure that I'm this guy's big break, you know, that I am it for him. This is a, and I'm going through and I play about eight or nine songs and I'm thinking I'm being discovered. This is absolutely amazing and wonderful. I'm 20 years old and this is how great for this this guy He's like 10 years older than me. And uh, he says, well, "Let me show you what what uh what I do." And uh, he's coming in here, takes me into the little record room and says, Well, it's just a single. And I knew that didn't mean it was very much because it wasn't on an album. And it's a small label and it's a friend of mine. It's the B side. And he puts on this song in the, uh, <laughs> and it starts to play. And uh... life well, held it all in me. Lord knows I've tried. It's an awful awakening. <laughs> and you country boys lie. The song was Amanda. Hey, keep going. I wish I could, but I can't do it justice because the singer was Don Williams. And uh, it was on JMI Records. It was uh, 12 lines. uh, And it was uh, a song called Amanda. He didn't tell me that he'd written it by himself or that he'd also written the A-side, which was Come Early Morning, which was the number one song in America at the time. Uh, And I'm sitting there listening going like, "Uh uh-oh. You know, I've got a long way to go. <laughs> and I think that what had changed for me was realizing that I didn't know a whole lot. He's talking and about he, Bob McDill. Talk about it. Bob McDill was the man, and he became my mentor, and basically the only person that would see me for a few years mm-hmm. when I was first here, and the only person I would go and, and take songs to. And uh of course, he passed on The Gambler, which was, you know, so he everybody makes mistakes, but he went on to write a uh, um, a a large portion of the don Williams songs mm-hmm. uh that that uh that helped change this town and i uh, wrote uh, good old boys like good me. old boys like me was
3: his, is his masterpiece like yes.
1: give us give, give us a taste of it
3: hey we were we were we were lucky uh, at least i was i had just come to town in 79 so all this stuff was happening um the gambler had just been a huge hit and and then a year later He Stopped Loving Her Today was, of course, uh, Good Old Boys Like Me and stuff like that. So that was the bar that I had to come in. And I thought, well, that's an impossible bar to reach. But it it was glorious and it was fun to try. No, but it was a wonderful club to join, which you did. It was. And I I think that that's frustrating now is that a song that would say something like Hank in Tennessee or a song like He Stopped Loving Her Today or, unfortunately, The Gambler uh, would not be recorded today wow. and that's frustrating feeling and so that bar that i held so high it's a different bar now i'm not saying that it's, i don't know because i don't participate in that world uh, like i did back then but uh.
4: what i wanted to say about amanda being so simple is then we ended up going with a when uh, paul overstreet and i were writing songs and actually would find oh uh, goodness gracious uh in the, in the middle of it, would find an idea.
1: Real simple.
2: Wait, that's songs. your song?
1: Yeah. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. It, it's was, one of a hit, my, it foot, was a hit twice. It's one of my favorite songs. I've only Thank ever you. heard the, Um, I think it's an astounding song. So I've Keith, only ever heard the version Nelson by Alison Krauss. Yeah. Yeah. Keith, Keith Whitley recorded had a great it. Version too. Uh,
4: Keith Whitley recorded it first. Uh-huh. And yeah. then he passed away, sadly. So he was one of our great singers and it was yeah. tragically and there was a uh, a tribute album made and Alison Krauss sang it and then there's this movie comes out and I my understanding is uh, in the movie the the people Ronan Keating is the guy's name from a group called Boyzone uh, calls Alison Krauss's office and asks for permission to 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 sing the song At which point I think they said You know you really Probably should talk To the publisher And the writer And they put it In a movie called Notting Hill And it was a pop record All over the world Actually Actually actually, And it occurs At 45 and a half minutes Into Notting Hill So if you see it uh, as I often do on television, because it runs all the time. Yeah. And you can just time
2: it, and I'll yell, Stacy,
4: <laughs> it's on, it's on. If,
2: if, there was ever, ever, if there was ever a perfect voice, it's Alison Krauss, man. Amazing, oh. amazing voice. Oh, yeah. When you, have, you sing a song, I would love to sing, when I sing a song, rather than one of the hits, my favorite thing I've done in two or three years, and show you how I just changed a line. I knew that I needed to change that line to make make it fit today's market hope i can read these lyrics here and i'll probably just make all kind of mistakes and blow the whole thing but i'm gonna try this anyway
3: oh, that's man, a lovely song great mm,
2: thank you i don't i couldn't even hear all the words so
4: what, what is is the what is the line you changed here's a line i changed the music cue.
2: okay that's why i was wondering if i should take the top down off the piano uh What I had originally said, I try to be a good man and everything. I I try to put myself in the character of this guy who's kind of a typical Southerner. And being a Southerner, even though I've really evolved, I mean, I still have a lot of these things in here that that I don't like about the South. I was that way myself. I mean, when I was a a teenager, I was a hardcore segregationist. I didn't think blacks and white people should go to school together. I really believed that shit. So the line I have here was... uh, 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 I try to be a good man in everything I do. And the line I had was, uh, uh, you know, I love Jesus, and I love my country too. And in the early 2000s, you could do that. You could do that when the, the country demographic was very conservative, and there were all these patriotic songs. And country radio now, if you had something like God and country right together, I think they wouldn't play it because it would sound like it was political, and they just don't want to go there because the demographic, country demographic, it's like, it's like America itself. It's it's split right down the middle, and, and it's controversial. They don't want controversial They don't want somebody to turn the dial. They don't want to lose half of their audience. So, but you can still sing about Jesus occasionally. You know, you'll hear Jesus in a song, and you can sure sing about whiskey. So I thought, man, what I'm going to do there then is say. Yes, I love my whiskey, but I love Jesus too. And I think that made it probably acceptable today. Can I,
1: can I, can I point out the, absur- the hilariously absurd irony of that? Yes. That it's more it, acceptable it now for us to talk about whiskey than country? It, huh? Yeah, you talk for a about- while you couldn't. Whiskey's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Whiskey's not divisive, but country is like. Ooh. Um, hey, Bobby? <clears throat> if I played
4: Indeed, if I played a little bit of Forever and Ever, can you play that?
0: Yeah. All right. I love that yeah, song I, so much,
1: man. I sang
3: a little backup
1: vocals on that one.
4: Too.
2: yeah. There? yeah. You Are you union? <laughs> Are you union? <laughs> I
4: am not union. All right.
1: Adam, he's not union. <laughs> there's, there's no card. That was Don Schlitz, Don Henry, and Bobby Braddock from Sony Tree Studios on Nashville's Music Row. Broken Record is produced by Justin Richmond and Jason Gambrell, with help from Bruce Hadlam, Mia Lobel Chiquita Pascal, Jacob Smith, Julia Barton, Jacob Weisberg, and of course, El Hafe, Rick Rubin. Special thanks to Adam Engelhardt, who engineered the session in Nashville. To hear the songs featured in today's episode, sung by the artists who made them famous, check out brokenrecordpodcast.com. This show is brought to you by Pushkin Industries. I'm Malcolm Gladwell.
0: Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight?